This FT Strategies podcast is brought to you in association with the Google News Initiative, who work side by side with publishers and journalists to help strengthen their work in the digital age. Any organization attempting to put their journalism or content behind a paywall will learn many things in the process. Chiefly among them, that willingness to pay and commitment or ability to pay are two very different things. Globally, news publishers are tackling this and other cultural, structural, technological challenges in different ways. In Uganda, our publisher this week charts a course towards reader revenue with a growing youth audience. In this series, we look at the defining moments faced by leaders in news publishing and unpack the strategies adopted and capabilities built in order to continue delivering and sustaining journalism in the digital age. I'm Alan John, and this is The Turning Point by FT Strategies. Hello and welcome to The Turning Point by FT Strategies. I'm Alad John. This week, we welcome a publisher from Uganda. Barbara Kaiser is the editor-in-chief of Uganda's largest media house, the New Vision Printing and Publishing Company. She joined the company 30 years ago and worked her way up to become editor-in-chief in 2010. Barbara and her team participated in our Digital Revenue Launchpad program, delivered in partnership with the Google News Initiative, from where I'm delighted to welcome Eero Kohonen, Lead of Partnerships and Ecosystem Strategy. Eero has more than 20 years of experience in strategy and ops, partnerships, and more besides in the media industry, and has been at Google since 2012, since when profound change has happened. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Barbara, I'm going to come to you first. If you could, as we do on every episode, set the scene and tell us a little bit about New Vision and the history of the brand over the last 10 to 20 years. New Vision Printing and Publishing Company, as we call it Vision Group in short. Vision Group is the largest media company in Uganda, and we own two newspapers, six TV stations, seven radio stations, websites, and magazines. Um, Before COVID, uh, we had three other regional newspapers, which we closed down with with the the lower revenues as a result of COVID. The Venue Vision newspaper, which is a flagship of Vision Group, was started in 1986. Over the years, the local language newspapers were started too. In 2008, Vision moved into broadcasting we are committed to journalistic integrity and innovation. And this has made us a trusted source of information for over three decades. Due to the effects of the COVID lockdown, our media business is stretched. As a result, we had to shut down three of our regional local language newspapers. We are not out of the woods yet, but as the world and national economy recover, we are progressively recovering too. I have been editor-in-chief since 2010. Before that, um, I joined Vision Group as a sub-editor trainee uh, 30 30 years ago. And I rose through the rank um, as deputy features editor, features editor, uh, deputy editor-in-chief, and now editor-in-chief. I work with a team of professionals in the different platforms. And, um, well, I'm just privileged to to be the boss. I bet. Um, Well, a huge amount of change over the last 10, 20 years, Barbara. Very difficult to ask you, but if you could try and distill, I think, some of the major changes and how potentially the role of digital has evolved New Vision's journey over that period would be very helpful and super interesting for our audience. In the 1990s, maybe around 1999, 
we would just um, duplicate everything we did in print. Uh, we, we had a website and the newspaper was just a duplicate of print. So we would put out um, whatever content we gathered. Uh, we also had another a site which we called Enter Uganda and it was mostly a tourism site. After some time it, it closed, I think because there was a, an, a disagreement with a partner we had patterned with at that particular time. Uh, it's been a long journey but to cut the long, long, long journey short, 2019 May, we restructured our operations uh, and reorganized our workflow to integrate the teams so that the newspaper, TV, radio, and digital team would work as one operation uh, while placing digital at the core of the strategy. The teams now sit together, we plan together, uh, we do joint deployments, but it is still a long, long journey. I would say we are only halfway there. I would actually score us maybe just, just about 50%. Uh, the journey, it is still a long journey that we are on. On the human resource side, we have had to start thinking of how do we serve digital better. To offer us the oversight role, a technology committee of the board was formed and this oversees digital as well. Also, a cross-platform project uh, was formed at Fast Track Digital to, to Fast Track the Digital Projects. Actually, this was formed when we began interacting with, uh, engaging with the FT Strategies and Google. And Google, that's when we formed that um, project committee. Uh, the teams meet once a week to discuss and update on digital initiatives across the company. We have actively sought to equip our human resource to serve the digital audiences. Over the last two years, many of our editors, reporters, and producers have benefited from courses on digital sponsored, on digital, sponsored by well-meaning partners like One Ifra, like One Ifra, and uh, the Financial Times um, and uh, Google, and also News Twenty Four in South Africa. You say you're 50% of the way there, Barbara. I think that's probably a lot further ahead than many organizations, uh, both Google and FT Strategies, have supported. So congratulations there. And also the fact that you're not just focusing on print to digital, but you're folding in multiple operations around broadcast, TV, and radio in particular. I wonder if you can expand a little bit upon the process of evolving your broadcast and digital operations together because that's not an easy task especially one in an organization with multiple news outputs being a multi-channel group um, if you can speak to the specifics i think of the steps you took to identify a digital first goal and look to bring in broadcast and and, and other types of outputs Ald, the 50% is me, is my gauge. <laughs> it could be lower if it was done by an independent person. Maybe it feels <laughs> like we've done a lot and maybe it isn't. But um, it all started with getting everybody on board. Um, it's taken us a long time convincing, uh, convincing first management, convincing the board, convincing the editors and the journalists. That alone sounds like a lot of years and a lot of time trying to get everybody to accept that we need to go this way, especially because digital only contributes 2% of our revenue. So getting everybody on board has been tough. Whether we, we, I don't think we have everybody on board, not fully at least. We have them in, but maybe not fully. 
Um, so what we now did was we got the editors to begin planning together with the basic of the morning and evening conferences, them planning together, knowing what the news items are going to be and what the what what we have on the calendar to for coverage, knowing what our features are going to be and determining what is going to go where, who takes priority on what. Of course, um, on paper, it is digital first. In practice, it is not always the case. Um, and that's why we are trying to work on a CMS, an integrated CMS that brings everybody together so that at least on the CMS, we can be able to see what everybody is doing and determine what we put out first and what we put out on what platform. But um, I would say that we've made a lot of progress. When it comes to the planning meetings, we make sure that the different producers um, take turns. We did change our digital, our, 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 our traditional names, um, like editors became producers. And that was basically to get people to think, to think beyond, beyond print. So we do get the producers to chair the meetings and to take charge of a particular day so that they can be able to plan for all the platforms. So apart from the content, We've had this very long journey on the technology. Um, in 2020, we started building an in-house CMS. It's, it's difficult. It's been very, very slow. The digital part of the CMS works well. The print part is not yet completely functional. And we hope that we can grow it to bring in the print and the radio. Of course, um, if we had all the revenues, probably the best thing would have been to buy something that is already done. But we are just growing it step by step, and it is frustratingly slow. But cost was a major consideration here. Uh, still on the technology part, um, we are researching on the possibilities of buying um, an option that automates print layout so that we can free some of the, of the sub-editors to be able to, to support to support digital. That is because it will be a saving on human resource and they will be able to make better use of them on digital. We know the options are there, but the costs are a bit prohibitive mm. for, for a media company, uh, for our media company. So we're trying to work on that. Uh, we're also researching smart paywall capabilities uh, to see if we can be able to manage uh, to, to set up the wall. We've actually not yet set out our paywall yet. And uh, a lot of it has to do with the transition we are going to, we, it, we are going through. It's a transition. We are convinced we want to do it, but it's a, it's a long journey and the resources are, are a limitation. The new vision story, I guess, is a bit typical of many media houses in Africa, but we're not giving up on it. We are continuing to, to do the research and the preparation. Fantastic. We'll come on to a few things that you've touched on in a moment, um, specifically interested around the commercial imperative, given you said 2% is where digital revenue sits, but also, I guess, some of the specifics that you were hoping to achieve on the program you participated in with FT Strategies and the Google News Initiative, that was Digital Revenue Launchpad. We'll come to that in a moment. Let me bring in Aero for a moment. I'd love Aero to, if you can, to reflect on what you've heard from Barbara there. Would you say the experience that her organization has gone through is typical or atypical of the transformation that many in your experience have gone through? Well, I, I, I'm not sure about typical in that, that sense, but like looking for example, the market, I, I, I actually did some searches like looking that Uganda has like a extremely 
young population, which like the, the partners I used to work don't uh, have. Like, I, I, if I'm not wrong, the median age is something like 16 years in Uganda, like whereas in my uh, home of origin is like 43 years. So you, like there is already a huge difference, like uh, how, how the publishers are addressing. And, and, and Barbara definitely a, uh, addressed things are related to the infrastructure and also the population in general, that how, how to deliver through digital channels, what is the readiness of paying and, and how to make money in the environment. So that 2% number Barbara mentioned sounds familiar, familiar to me some times ago, like when the digital transformation started in the European publishers equally the very low number of, of ad revenue, digital ad revenue was always kind of neglected that this is too small to be even on our board table discussion. But like now after 20, 25 years, we are here where that, that number is extremely high and, and plus there is also the digital consumer revenues on there. So in a way, similar journey, but I, I have to say that Barbara is also working in an environment which is different than my my personal experience so she's definitely has a lot of lot of to teach me and then many others here in, in in other parts of the world yeah you touched at our event a few weeks ago barbara which was fantastic to see you at and host you on a panel you touched on the willingness to pay piece so two percent is the current number of digital revenues but it'd be great if we could take a step back to look at I guess Uganda is a market that your organization serves um, with journalism and different forms of, of content through different channels. We speak to many publishers all around the world, all of whom have different experiences with their customers' willingness to pay and their maturity in monetizing their journalism varies greatly depending on that the markets they exist in. Where would you say Uganda is in the spectrum of maturity to pay for journalism as a product? You say you haven't yet launched a paywood product yet, but what are you anticipating from the market when and if you do take your product to market? With the digital launch, revenue launch pad uh, project, uh, the FT and Google supported us to do a survey on the willingness to pay. And the score was quite high. The score was, I think, 76. It was above 70. So 70% of the people who were surveyed said, more than 70% said they were willing to pay, which was a good surprise for us. Um, but I think willingness to pay and ability to pay are two different things. Um, we, of course, we shall use that high figure and launch the pay wall as soon as we are ready. But um, the reason I wanted to point that out is because we also know that... Um, the average, the average Ugandan, more than 70% of our population earn less than $3 a day. And if it's a point of survival and a point of buying content, uh, we, we're not quite sure what they'll come up with. But if we break it down in small micro payments, in small micro payments probably, and create a situation where they can pay for single stories rather than taking on a, a long-term subscription, it is possible. It's possible we could be able to get a, to get to grow that digital revenue quite fast. Still, it's an experiment we can only know once we start. I'm actually keen to see how how it turns up. 
Um, also, our audience showed that they wanted, they were very much interested in business, content related to business and agriculture. Now, this is livelihood. They're interested in livelihood. So it will mean that we'll have to think of what would make them pay. Maybe if they think they're going to get a benefit out of it, like education, uh, livelihood, probably they'll be able to pay for that. So that's an experiment that we'll do and see how it goes. For our audience sake, Barbara, uh, can you talk us through the steps you're doing to assess that? So you took part in the digital revenue launchpad and that helps you assess, among a number of things, interest in a paid for proposition. How have you now gone about developing that proposition uh, with the aim to launch it at some point? So our digital radar revenue journey um, started about five months ago with the financial time strategies and the FT strategies and Google initiative. It started about five months ago. Uh, we put together a cross-platform team, a cross-function team, to be able to work to work with FT uh, and Google Initiative. Um, the FT strategy team supported us to think through and to plan for the digital revenue project. Uh, they exposed our team to industry experts. Uh, we had a number of sessions, um, discussions, uh, discussing best practice in critical areas like uh, audience research, data mining, and technology. In the process, we were learning, learning a lot of, about our audiences. Um, that is where we, we actually knew that our audiences uh, are willing to pay. We had never known that. Uh, so for the first time, we knew that they're actually willing to pay and they want to pay for education. They're interested in education. They're interested in farming. They're interested in the newsletters. And they're also interested in the booking, in, in breaking news. Um, so supported by, um, by the, the team, by the, by the FT strategies, we are able to do that reader survey. And then we moved on to experiments. Uh, using the North Star, the North Star, the North Star, it's a tool that the FT Strategies and uh, Google Initiative uses. Uh, we were able to come up with experiments. We have so far done two experiments. Apart from the survey, we have also done an experiment on the newsletters. And um, our, we are using the newsletter for agriculture, for our agriculture products, both online and uh, in print, uh, to push people to the e-paper. And it shows that people are actually reading our newsletters. I don't have the figures because it is still a young experiment. We'll be able to talk about that a bit more uh, when it's matured. We're also using the newsletter on a, on a new product. We do a parliamentary analysis every Saturday. Uh, we call it The House. And we are using the newsletter, sending newsletters to the members of parliament and to other people, other politicians. Uh, so we'll be able to see what comes out of that. We are still planning some more experiments and we'll be doing a bit more to be able to see how ready we are for the reader revenue. All this has shown us the weaknesses in our structure uh, because it points out to you that, well, you're not doing this quite well, you're not doing this quite well. And then in the process of uh, tightening the loopholes, you're getting ready for the reader revenue model. Yeah, and if you don't know, you'll never be able to solve for the challenges, so transparency is best. Eero, if you, again, I guess, listening to Barbara, in a really exciting moment in the company's, I guess, journey, perhaps leveraging your own experience in this journey across organizations you've worked with, what would you say are some of the do's and don'ts of 
taking these steps towards launching a, a paid-for model or, or heading towards a reader-first revenue model? Yeah, I, I think that I've been working with some partners and like a, occasionally asking their experiences, like a, what were the things that really, really kind of changed the direction. And then Barbara, like mentioned already here a couple of times, the North, North Star concept, like many of the publishers who have really been successful and like in the digital revenues, like they have laid down the kind of what is their objective, what is the necessary digital revenues that they can call that they are sustainable if the print doesn't anymore survive. So they are kind of a driving area towards a, a position that they know that even without the very important print at the moment, but even without that, they could survive. It's kind of a number one. And I, I think Barbara is definitely setting that element. The other thing is like, I, I've been talking about culture in many uh, occasions. The culture is like a broad word, but like if, if splitting it down for a story that most of the publishers I've seen working pretty well, they have, I'm not sure is it the right word, but democratized the access to data inside the organization. So basically structured the, the consumer uh, data, uh, understanding better the user, segmenting it, and then sharing that information, not only with the business organization. When I started at publisher organization quite a while ago, there was a clearly kind of a, the, the journalistic organization, editorial department, they didn't use so much the consumer data that was available in the business organization. But nowadays, that is really shared across the org in the publisher side. And, and that's really important because what I've heard from some publishers that it's really interesting how the journalists are actually hungry for the data. They want to see how the articles are working, how how people are not only reading, but do they help to get new new subscribers and so forth. So like there is a, a whole organization is feeling the ownership of the digital digital revenues, at least the digital consumer revenues. And I think good example is like from the cultural point of view that publishers do it in different ways. There are like the traditional ways of like, you have a business org, you have journalists, you have techies, but there are also publishers who say that they basically have two types of persons in the organization. They have journalists and they have software develop, developers, which tells how important the role of, of tech and, and how important the tech skills inside the organization are to actually drive the consumer revenge. So I, I think this is all do's and don'ts. I think the leadership in you know, organizations have to understand the importance of chasing them, the driving, first of all, the objective, the North Star, but also creating a, a culture around the shared data, how to be, how, how to kind of uh, in different roles in the org to be successful and driving there towards the, the uh, consumer revenues. I think don'ts, you never should forget the kind of uh, the, the, the exhaust, the pipeline. So you should always try to see that which are the audiences and you are not properly covering, which are the audiences you're not at all covering because this is multi-audience game. There is not just one audience you try to achieve. You might want to go outside of your traditional geographic area or you might like to like, get a, a different demographic in general. So you always need to have an, like a view, how do you reach the next audience segment to be your user and then hopefully later on your uh, paying consumer. That new audience idea is um, 
I imagine, given the median age that you mentioned for Uganda, potentially a high priority for for Barbara uh, and your organisation, Barbara, looking at the growing population who will consume news and, and wider media, would you say uh, identifying the needs of those users and how they might evolve over time and depend on new vision is a paramount priority for, for your organisation, Barbara? Yes, yes, because um, 80 percent of our population is under thirty-five. Uh, that is a very young demography, and of course, when we did the the, the, the survey with uh, with your support, uh, with the financial, with the FT and Google Initiative support, we noticed that still the people who responded were a young demography. So it means those are the people that want to 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 read us. Uh, they are our audiences. It's also the audience we will be targeting. Uh, for now, they've pointed out areas they're interested in, and all the areas point to a livelihood. Uh, it means it's content we'll have to, to look out for. But I, it's also important for us to keep doing more research. I know another area which came out was entertainment. We know that when, when they go on to Google and on the other, on, 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 on YouTube, uh, they're looking out for entertainment. So those are areas that we'll have to grow. Those are products that we'll have to grow. Yes, it's important we target that audience because in our research, you could see that the, those people aged over 45 were a very small percentage. So it's important in our plans to target that audience. Yeah. Thank you, Barbara. Um, and one more for you, Barbara, for now. Listening to what Eris said around the North Star piece setting, as, as you described already, and the importance of having a shared vision and then an aligning structure around that vision for an, for an entire organization to get behind. Firstly, I'd love you to tell us what the North Star for New Vision is, if, if it has evolved or has it changed since DRL, um, the Digital Revenue Launchpad program. And would you say you're 50% towards aligning the organization around that North Star vision? One of the best things we got out of this, um, of the digital revenue launch pad was our North Star. And we were setting out to be the most trusted source of content in Uganda, offering valuable audience-oriented experiences that advance society with 15,000 subscribers, that is paying subscribers, and generating three, 3 billion shillings annually by 20. 27. That is what we've set out to do. On the trusted content, of course, the journey is a journey we started many years ago when we set up New Vision. And um, the encouraging thing is that the survey showed that our content is already trusted. Uh, most of our audience trusts us. So what we need to work on now is the revenue side. I don't think I can give a percentage, but yes, everybody is working towards that, uh, towards the North Star. We need to do a lot more to talk to the teams for them to understand what we are setting out to do. And yes, we shall be doing a lot of that. It's an exciting journey ahead uh, by the sounds of things. I'd love a era finally, I think, from you, and then I'm going to wrap up with a question for both of you. Do you think there's any other lessons uh, other organizations can learn from New Vision's own journey right now. It is quite particular, I think, to, the, to Uganda and those demographics that are quite startling, actually, especially when you overlay them with, say, 
the FT's average audience age and that the FT itself is looking to grow younger audiences um, over time. What lessons do you think we can learn from from the work that Barbara is doing at this quite exciting moment for New Vision? It's definitely, I I think Barbara mentioned often experimentation and like many organizations do it, but like uh, the the details that were mentioned like uh, earlier, like the willingness to pay and ability to pay, there's a mismatch. Like uh, and and the, the experimentation is aiming towards the the content, the kind of a service that New Vision is trying to deliver to their to their readers and potential new segments is super important. Like, is it essential for them? Because in markets with the, like a stronger economies and stronger personal economies of the segments, like there the people have to really define that is this essential for me does it help my life does it help my business does it help my uh, as, as barbara mentioned my my farming like so I, I think that's a really important thing to learn from other like others should like look at barbara is doing and, and try to kind of see that are they aiming there that are they targeting the audiences with very essential and, and crucial information and I'm not saying it's easy for anyone in any market to get the consumer revenue as a huge competition, but I, I think there is an extra layer of complexity, which probably is a great piece. I, I think we, we should hear about from Barbara a couple of years later, because it's like a massively young population that how they start kind of uh, subscribing and paying for the digital services. I'm really keen to hear more because it seems to be a great future opportunity for them as well. And many if not most of the organizations are really struggling with the young audiences in, in, in yep. all over the world to get them subscribed news. Yep, completely agree. And many big legacy organizations will have been targeting students and younger uh, people broadly with exactly the aims that you've described in mind, Ero, which is let's get them now, build trust with this audience so that we can build relationships with them over the longer term. But the interesting and exciting thing is the habits are changing so dramatically, both in terms of who they consume content from or news and journalism, but also how um, uh, through what platforms and channels. Um, Barbara, I guess, are you excited about the next few years of, of experimentation and, and things to achieve for New Vision? It sounds like you're at an incredibly important and exciting moment. Yes, it is. It's a very exciting moment. Um, one exciting thing is we now together on board, we needed a buy-in from all the stakeholders. And I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that it has taken us years. We now have managed to get management, the board, the editors, the journalists on board. But of course, not everybody is completely in. To move faster, we need everybody in. So uh, sessions like this um, help us, partnerships like this, help us to invest in mindset change for all our teams. And that will help us to stop thinking just print or just TV or just radio, but and to think more of multimedia, but also to think digital first. Mm. So yes, it's exciting. We still have a lot of work to do, but it's very exciting. And if I was to say to anybody anything, I would say it helps to walk the journey with somebody who has moved ahead of you. Mm. We would never have known that we are ready for this journey if we didn't actually get uh, into partnership with FT and Google initiatives. 
This partnership has helped us to see our weaknesses and uh, there are quite a number of them that we need to tackle on the content side, on the technology side, on the audience side. There are a lot of challenges we still need to address, but at least we know that we are not working blindly. Uh, we've got like um, somebody showing us uh, the next star and that is really great. Very glad to hear it, Barbara. Um, final question to you, Barbara, and, and this is my favourite one to ask, actually, which is in each show we ask the participating publisher to provide some advice to the younger version of themselves. If you were to look back at Barbara five, ten years ago and say, these are the key things you should know and key things to do differently, it would be great to understand what you would tell yourself to do differently, looking back. I would say we should have started earlier. We shouldn't have taken so much time arguing about things and saying print would never go and such discussions. I think we should have started earlier. Maybe we should have been a bit more assertive, assertive in discussing the issues and more open in discussing the issues. Um, I would say we should have also looked for more partnerships earlier because we've made some dangerous, uh, we've made some some unnecessary, I would say the word unnecessary, we've made some unnecessary investments in technology that we could have avoided if we had got the partnerships earlier. Um, and then it takes a team. You need everybody on the team. You need everybody to understand what you're doing. And you can never communicate on this journey enough. Even when you've said something and communicated and you think people have understood, it's possible they have not. And you just have to keep communicating and communicating more. Barbara Kaija and Eero Kohonen, thank you both so much for joining me on this week's episode of The Turning Point. We will be back next week with another edition of the Turning Point podcast, exploring the critical moment news publishers have faced and the new direction they've forged. Don't forget to subscribe to ensure you don't miss out on each new episode. You can find the links on Google, Spotify, iTunes, or of course, via the FT Strategies website. And for more strategies and tactics publishers and wider media are adopting to not just survive, but thrive, you can subscribe to the FT Strategies newsletter. Our executive producer was Hani Shakes. My name is Alad John. That was The Turning Point. This FT Strategies podcast was brought to you in association with the Google News Initiative, who work side by side with publishers and journalists to help strengthen their work in the digital age.